to be in a space that says your voice is welcome here. Mm-hmm. No matter what it sounds like, it's welcome. That's an amazing place to be. And that's the kind of places I'm trying to create and cultivate, not only for right. singing. I'm Rabbi Deborah Waxman, and I'm so happy to welcome you to Hashi Venu, a podcast about Jewish teachings on resilience. I'm also really happy to welcome my guest today, Dr. Koach Fraser. Koach is an audiologist, an activist. Koach is a rabbinical student and a powerful musician. And we're going to have a conversation today about singing and drumming and how music can support us, can uplift us, can lead us to transformation personally and collectively. Welcome, Koach. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so excited to have this conversation. So I've been with you in many settings um, where uh, you have stood in front of the room and transported us, um, sometimes with a drum under your arm, sometimes just with your voice. And I don't think I've ever seen you lead without also singing. And I wanted to begin by asking you, like, how did you come to song as such a essential and critical part of, of a leadership role for you? Well, it's how I woke up and how I went to bed. My mother sang to my brother and I every day. And so I learned that it was just a part of life. And so I've kind of carried that everywhere I've gone, no matter if I'm in religious settings or if I'm in um, secular settings, that it just singing is one of those things that kind of brought kind of calm and peace to me. And I've seen it do the same when, I, when I'm in communal spaces and also sing, that it has an effect of kind of bringing people together. Sometimes it's calming and peaceful, and sometimes it's there to kind of help people as they are going through times of great anxiety or stress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do people ever resist it? I think I have had some people, <laughs> you, you know, out on the street, people sometimes will say, well, why are we singing? You know, what does this have to do with what we're trying to accomplish? And so um, I think it's sometimes they were right. Like maybe it wasn't the right time to sing. And mm-hmm. so we didn't. And other times it became a really important part of how we were bringing folks um, to kind of the same get us all on the same page, mm-hmm. I would say. Because sometimes like you have scattered energy mm-hmm. happening in, in, uh, when, you, when you're doing actions or there's protest. And so to kind of get everybody on the same page to help us move forward, singing uh, and or chanting have been very successful in, in achieving that. I find that really to be the case that it's just a, an enactment that we are all in something together, that we are more than just one solitary voice and that we bring it, you bring it to life by joining together in song. And it's a taste of exactly what you're trying to move toward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes it's not that the person has to sing. And that's what I would encourage some folks to do. Like you can just kind of be in the space. Um, I've, I've participated in groups where there becomes like a sound um, womb uh, Mm. per se. And like, I'm in the middle or other people in the middle and just sound is being wrapped around this person. And it has an effect of like healing and uh, really comfort. And so sometimes I tell people, 
just kind of hang out with it. You don't have to participate in it, uh, it, like in adding your sound or your voice to this, but just be here and like allow the energy to do what it needs to do with you. I see sometimes in synagogue settings that people will come in and they, they're, they're self-conscious and they, they don't know if they belong and they'll put themselves on the fringes. And especially when it's in a singing community, what they're missing out on is the waves mm-hmm. of sound that cra- that kind of crash over. And I love that. I, I'm often in the front row, especially when I know it's a singing group, because yeah. whether or not I know the melodies, like I just that that experience of being part of something larger than myself. Yeah. And actually benefiting from the 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 sound itself, just that sound as it washes over your body. And, um, you know, especially like you're, you know, sometimes when you're in stressful situations, you're very tense and you're kind of closed up and your body doesn't move well. But there's something about um, that music of that collective music that I've been a part of that allows myself and others to just relax. Mm-hmm. Your body kind of relaxes, your shoulders kind of drop down and and um, and then you can kind of just feel yeah. like even if you're not singing with the group, that you're feeling more a part of the group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I want to ask you, we're talking about singing and use of voice, and I'm thinking a lot about in Hebrew, voice is kol, and it's also vote, and like you know, like using mm. it, using your voice toward change, toward transformation, like that the power of that. Yeah. Um, and you're in your previous life, you were an audiologist, which is about your ears about listening and so that tension between making noise and receiving noise and taking in yeah and you know one of the one of the things somebody asked was like how are you going to um kind of marry this audiology and and rabbi um and i what i've told them is like the this this notion of um shema you know like this one kind of central um, aspect or prayer of, of of our tradition and faith. And it's like, it's about hearing. Yeah. Um, I think we kind of make the leap to say it's about listening. But uh, I would say, yeah, you have to, in order to kind of bring folks together and to be in one accord, you have to hear and to be willing to be in a space of hearing other people and Oftentimes, even hearing your your own kind of small voice that maybe doesn't feel like it gets heard all the time. So this notion of opening up and being able to hear what's around you, to um, take it in and maybe listen, <laughs> listening and listening for understanding. So not just trying to um, say, oh, well, I heard what you said. Yeah. But to really kind of get in there and figure out, like, what does this mean? What does this mean for this person who's telling me, who's like giving me the opportunity to to hear them? And what does this mean for me, you know, in, in service of, of them? And then also in, in service of the community, um, this person is speaking for not only themselves, but the community. How How can I better understand what's happening? But that's the process starts with actually hearing. Yeah, I think that's right. I talk about that as um, sacred listening mm-hmm. and and then covenantal conversation. And yeah. it is absolutely about listening in the possibility of transformation, not listening to say, "Oh, look, you agree with me or oh mm-hmm. l- let me let me let me take apart your argument, but like that listening with the possibility that the at the end of it I'm going to be changed somehow. Yeah, one of the ways in which I've I've kind of taught this in sessions before is that 
the process starts with you actually just listening, mm-hmm. listening without interruption, without correction, and without judgment. It's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard for so many of us, I think. Yeah. And you can take that not only into a space of conversation with other people, but also when when we're singing, because, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I, I think so many people I've, I've run into who have said, I was told I can't mm-hmm. sing or I shouldn't mm-hmm. sing. And um, that's judgment, right? <laughs> and people internalize that judgment. Yeah. I mean, that's I, my father was told that when he was a little kid and he didn't sing. He just didn't sing. Yeah. It, it was, it carried it with him. It it's scarred devastating. him. It scarred it's him. devastating. Mm-hmm. And to, to be in a space that says your voice is welcome here, mm-hmm. that no matter what it sounds like, it's welcome in a singing space where where there's not a performance but a collective bringing together of voices for transformation. Yeah. That's an amazing place to be and that's the kind of places I'm trying to create and cultivate um and not only for singing but to you know once people kind of have it for singing we can kind of push the boundary and say okay what does this look like when you're talking to your yeah, buddy your exactly. neighbor your friend your family member who has something really important to to tell you. Yeah. Yeah, that the singing is a starting point to build up muscles for what comes next. Yes. My wife and I, on our first date, um, she said to me that she loves to dance. And I said, oh, I don't dance. And I said to her, I love to sing. And she said, I don't sing. Mm. And I think one of the most successful ways that we have influenced each other is that I dance and love it now. Mm. And she sings and loves it and and, and is especially interested in chanting. And yeah. so, you know, for that to happen within the context of a relationship, but then for that to happen in ever concentric circles in the world, what, you know, that's one tiny little vision of what redemption can look like. Yes. Yes. A beautiful picture of what it could be. Yeah. Yeah. But we've talked also like there's song, there's dance, mm-hmm. there's listening. Um, and I know you're a powerful drummer. So that's about all of this and also feeling, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one of those ways in which to embody the sound itself. And so um, using my hands and my entire body to you to make sound with the drum, which then pushes out energy to the space in which um, I'm drumming. It's all about embodiment of the sound, and then people can feel that energy. And it works with singing, too, right? It's a, the, your, your body, your voice is a, a fantastic instrument. And to think of it in that way of, a, of, a, of an instrument, like unleashing energy in the space that you're in, the drum is one way to do that, though. I think about it. Way. I think also it's like it's such a, it's ancient technology. Yes. You know, like we have like here we're sitting, we have microphones in front of us, and this is all going to be edited on the computer. <laughs> but like both our voices, and then even more the drums. And I think about this every during the during Elul and my holiday season mm-hmm. with the shofar and these ways that our ancestors had. I think really to call attention, yeah. to crack us open, yeah. to prepare us. Yeah. To, you know, I just it's um yeah, th- like we were even talking about Miriam and yeah. the timbrel, and like yeah. thinking about that that critical moment of we we have redemption has come. We got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. 
She That's leads exciting. our people in singing. That's it. There it is. And she, right. And with, with the drum. She yes. grabs up, the, she picks up the toe. She, and, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's exactly right. The scholars think that that's one of the oldest portions of the Torah. Like mm. the, and that's what it's captured. A, women's leadership. How cool is that? Yes. But B, the singing mm-hmm. and the dancing yes. and the drum playing. Yes. And then, then that gets embedded into our liturgy twice each day. We're yes. both remembering the redemption and we're remembering that, that precise moment. Mm-hmm. It's... Um, what a, what an incredible legacy if we yeah. if we take hold of it. Right, it'd be really cool if we could embody that twice a day. Yeah. Every, like not just this, not just the actual portion of liturgy, but the actual movement of our bodies, the yeah. dancing, and then like experiencing what it would be like and what it can be like when we when we are experiencing redemption. I think that's the invitation. Like, but <laughs> it is it is really hard to do. Yeah. But let's try. Would you? Can we? Can will you drum for us? Can we try? Yeah. 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 I could feel my heart rate slow down. Yeah. Is is it meditative for you? It is. It is. There there are times where I um I lose myself uh <laughs> in the the rhythm and also kind of just the sound of the drum and um I have to be careful. Sometimes even when I'm leading yeah. uh, service and I get kind of carried away, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like we've been singing this song without, or we've been drumming. And, um, and it, yeah, sometimes it, it could, I could lose myself a lot. And I, I'll also say that um, I've, I've just saw this beautiful bar, uh, excuse me, a bat mitzvah in St. Louis. I wasn't able to attend, but um, part of um, this beautiful um, young woman's family is um, Hebrew Israelite. And so um, during the kind of silent meditation part of the service, her brother and some of the other folks um, from the Hebrew Israelite community come and drum. And just this kind of you know, three or four minutes worth of just drumming. Mm-hmm. And it's like even across the camp, like across the um, the airwaves of the Internet, you could feel just mm-hmm. how powerful mm-hmm. it is to just be in that space mm-hmm. of just hearing a drum like yeah. nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. Just really grounding in this. It's really so different from how we live our lives most of the time. It's it's uh, just a, to be still and listen. But I know you've used it powerfully like in ritual or in activist spaces as well to kind of create a container for mourning and yeah yeah we um it was a group called justice beats in st louis and we created a space um kind of in the queer side of town uh the, for 49 days we called it 49 days of mourning after the pulse uh, club shooting and we just had 
drums and noisemakers available for people to come and, and use them as a way of embodying their their lament and their mourning and the, the pain that people were feeling. Um, and it was a really transformational space. And a lot of people said, you know, I just didn't know what to do. But when I came out there, I didn't have to do anything but yeah. either sit in the space or to actually pick up a, a shaker and, and kind of shake out my grief. Um, it was a really powerful um, way to bring community together in a time of, of really deep mourning. Right. Um, but also just allowing people to be. Um, and I, there was, I'm reminded of another time in which we used this drumming. Um, so it was right, it was the week before the yard site of Michael Brown. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so people were gathering because it was the first year. And uh, they were gathering across the street from the police station. I didn't, I didn't let people know that you have deep ties. You come from St. Louis. Yeah. Like this is really like in your, you know. Yeah. yeah. It was, um, you know, the Ferguson movement kind yeah. of. Yeah, lifted uh, this this drumming and this uh, kind of song leader that lifted that out of me yeah. um, at a really horrible time yeah. in our, the history of um, both St. Louis and our country, and um, and so it was the it was right at the year, and so what I said was, we're just going to create a space for people to come and to allow them to be who they are and to, you know, grieve and mourn how they need to, um, and that we were going to be energy workers. And so our group set up right across the street from the police station. We, um, there was a Native woman who, uh, who was with our group, and she created this beautiful kind of um, space with blankets and candles, and we had, um, and she used sage to bless the space and clear the space. And I tell you what, <laughs> The energy that flowed from just this small group of people, um, people noticed when they came to that area that there wasn't going to be a lot of drama. There mm -hmm. wasn't going to be mm -hmm. a lot of mess, that the energy that was flowing from there was about healing and wholeness. Mm -hmm. and, and, um, and sometimes, you know, like you could, you could hear the grief embodied in the sound of the drum, but oftentimes people just came and I said, bring a pot if you had a pot mm -hmm. and a and a spoon and mm -hmm. you know, and use that as a as a way of kind of an offering to this space mm -hmm. um, so that we could hold that space for for goodness. And so we did that. It yeah. was we, we drummed every night um, for a week before for his yard site. Wow. I think, you know, part of what this wakes up for me is like, I spend a lot of time thinking about the limits of rationalism, you know, mm -hmm. like, and when, like, when words fail us as someone who, both as a rabbi and as a, as a movement leader, like, I, it's part of my job is I'm part of the team that writes, like, statements after things like Pulse and mm -hmm. the Pulse shooting and like there are no words there are no I mean there, I, we have to put words to paper but right. there are no words but but these these other things like whether it's drumming or singing certainly being together and mm -hmm. those things that bind us together are, are I think so much more sustaining ultimately than I mean maybe there, there are words but I, I remember it from like early on in my rabbinical training when I, at, at funerals, like at the end of the day, it's the warmth and it's mm -hmm. the connection and it's those things that bind us together more than any particular words that anyone 
says. Yeah. So that's the power of Nguyen and yeah. and all of these other yeah. um, technologies that our ancestors have given yeah. us to just say. Uh, my grandmother used to say. Sometimes, baby, you can't, there are no words, right. and you just have to moan. That's right. And, you know, just thinking about all of those ways in which our our, our people have said, we got to get it out. Yeah. There's, there's got to be a way for us to express ourselves, and sometimes it's not through the use of words. Right. Moan and show up. I think those are yeah. like, the, there is, you know, like, like maybe maybe bring some food. Right. You know? so, so. <laughs> that goes a long way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think that's so right. So let's talk about singing. And I know yeah. you compose some too, like I'm most deeply grounded in, in Jewish singing. Um, but I, you know, spend a lot of time in like the Rise Up Singing Handbook and all, mm-hmm. but like when I, when I'm in Jewish activist settings, I I'm often with folks who are clearly um, called to do their work to repair the world because of something about their Jewish identity, and many of them are very secular, very mistrustful of religion, mm-hmm. um, don't know Hebrew or Yiddish or you know or Ladino, any of any of the Jewish languages, and are mistrustful of this incredible treasury. Of mm-hmm. of songs and psalms and yeah. liturgy that you know we were talking about how redemption is embedded into and how mm-hmm. the experience of oppression and then the re- the delivery from it is embedded into our liturgy twice a day. Yeah. Um, and so I'm always struggling with how to either calm the anxieties mm-hmm. or come up with some way of um, explaining theology that mm-hmm. would build a bridge back to it. Not because I want to impose Jewish tradition on them, but because I want to say, like, uh, draw from these riches that can help, you know, join yourself in this chain and and draw from these riches. So Yes, the technology has been there, and we can pull from it whenever we need it. I know one of the one of the songs I used to teach out in Ferguson was Elohina Shamash and Atata Bitahorahi, you know, thank you God. Mm-hmm. For my, my, so it's my just, soul, mm-hmm. you know, my soul is pure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I said, if I can believe that about myself, if I believe in a creator, a universal kind of spirit that um, that says that I have a pure soul, then that means I I take it a step further and says that means that you've got a pure soul, mm-hmm, right? Exactly. So we're all walking around here with pure souls, and um, and just to have people understand what it means to say that, mm-hmm. you know. As someone who says it, you know, try to say it every day. Mm-hmm. And for people who are just learn this this technology and say, we can, this is ours. Right. And what does it feel like when I'm next to somebody else and I say, I've got a pure soul, mm-hmm. right? Like I started this way mm-hmm. and I can, I can live and work and breathe from this way. Mm-hmm. And like what a gift our ancestors gave us. And I've been trying to like, so it's one of the ways in which I, I use the liturgy that we have mm-hmm. and bring it to, bring it to the streets and bring it to other folks, especially other people of faith who might not have even heard of Elohim and Shabbat, right, you right. know, and, and, uh, and that's like one of those extra ways of kind of bringing it in and right. letting people know. And some people says, ah, you know, I really have, you know, there's Jews all around and people have really never brought, mm-hmm. you know, what we have mm-hmm. and what we've, what we've been gifted with to other people. And they don't necessarily need to get bugged down in the LOHI piece. Like, right. You know, right. like, okay, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, we can have, the, the thing it's really important to have the conversation about God, but you don't, like you can just focus in on 
neshama, right. like soul, and pure, right. and like however you think the ground of being is, you know, conceptualized, mm-hmm. like that concept of a pure soul, it really it's it's very radical. Right. It has huge implications. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and brings a different kind of spirit to uh, a collective mm-hmm. gathering mm-hmm. when we talk about justice, because mm-hmm. it's not about well. What if this person did something wrong or what? No, we all came to the table with the same beautiful pure soul. Yeah. And so let's start from there. Yeah. And how how different would it be if we kind of came to the table with that as opposed to where, you know, we're all damaged goods trying to get whole, you know, like, no. Yeah. And and also, like, what are the circumstances we have to create to allow that pureness to sustain itself? Right. To shine out at all times. Yes. Um, do you want to sing together? Sure, let's do it. Okay. Should you want to? Can you say a little bit more about what it is? Sure. Yeah. So um, this song, "Solid as a Rock," um, it comes from the Highlander Center, which is a I think it's going on eighty six or so years of being a transformational and educational space for activists um, for social justice all over the country. It's uh, out of Tennessee. Uh, New Market, Tennessee, I think is where it is, and it's an amazing place. Um, a lot of uh, activists have come through the Highlander Center, and they have such a rich history um, of music being a part of social activism there. So this song comes from there. One of the things I love about this song too is it's a call and response, which means yeah. like you don't necessarily like you don't need sheet music, and you don't you don't need to remember the words, and yeah. you just you just gotta you just gotta listen to go back to where we started, right, and, right. and then be willing to to raise your own voice. Yes. So, so this is not going to be collective singing. It's going to be it's going to be Koach and me singing together, but hopefully you'll join in at home. Well, it's kind of collective. Right? It's, <laughs> it's not a solo. <laughs> Solid as a rock. Solid as a rock. Rooted like a tree. Rooted like a tree. We are here. We are, here. We are strong. We are strong. In our rightful place. In our in our rightful place. In our rightful place. Solid as a rock. Solid as a rock. Rooted like a tree. Rooted like a tree. We are here. We are, here. We are strong. We are strong. In our rightful place. In our rightful place. In our rightful place. In our rightful place. I love that song for so many reasons, some of which you already said. And then um, it being an affirmation of, I might not feel like all of those things, yeah. but I can affirm them to be so. Exactly, exactly. And, um, and then having someone to echo yeah. that affirmation is I think, really powerful. <laughs> I think the call and response is so powerful. I try to, to use it a lot. I know that I remember reading about like African-American churches in the South where they didn't have enough money for, for hymn books mm-hmm. and hymns that were usually sung in unison. They would sing them, mm-hmm. you know, in call and response and because that's how everybody could sing along. And there mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily literacy. There weren't necessarily books. And yeah. I just love that. that and so And that at the end... You break down every barrier yeah. um, and try to make it. So, the, you know, there's. There, I don't know that anything would have ever gotten my father to sing, you know, because mm-hmm. that, that shame was so deep from when he was five. And they said, you know, you're a listener, yeah. not a singer. But but there's so much we can do yes. to try to, to make it possible. And, right. 
kind of a classic color response for um, our services is the Barakou, exactly. right? You know, exactly. like thinking about how, um, you know, we get called mm-hmm. to prayer. We don't come to prayer. We get called to prayer and that we, you know, we have to answer and say, yes, we showed yeah. up. We're yeah. here. And you need 10. You need a, you need a community. Yes. You can't do it by yourself. That's right. It's what I feel like one of the most important things that Judaism has to offer in the current moment is the correction to radical individualism, that, yeah. that this core understanding that is embedded within Judaism, almost any way you take it apart, that we are interdependent, that we are mm-hmm. reliant on each other. And it's just, it's it's so sustaining to me mm-hmm. personally, and it is, so, I think it's such an important course correction yeah. to this current moment. Yeah, and that's one of the major ways you build resilience is like you you have this kind of core understanding that you are not alone and that right. we do need each other. Right. And part of our tradition like calls that forward. Right. That we we need each other for our to celebrate and also to mourn. To mourn. That's exactly yeah. right. And I think, you know, singing, we join our voices together. We enact it right there. Mm-hmm. We Listen, because that's I know I know that every voice lesson I've ever taken and every choir I've ever sung, and they said, "Listen for the other." You're not just listening for your own voices, and we get quiet when when we have to, when Mm -hmm. our voices are too weak or the emotions are too strong. But the song goes on. Yes, yes. Thank God. Thank God. (laughs) There's other people who can kind of come in and and fill the void. Yeah. 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 Thank God. Oh, Koach, what a wonderful conversation yeah. and the drumming and the singing. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. My great pleasure. Um, you can uh, find more information on this topic and more about KB. Um, you can look on hashivenu.fireside.fm, uh, and you can also find more resources on ritualwell.org. I am Rabbi Deborah Waxman, and you've been listening to Hashivenu, Jewish Teachings on Resilience. <laughs>